Scott Dunn is a multi-award-winning luxury tour operator that has recently been included in the Condé Nast Traveller list of top travel specialists for being an expert in family holidays. Specialising in tailor-made family travel for over 30 years, their travel specialists visit all the places they offer, so know the properties in the local area inside out. Whether you're looking for a kids' club with a range of exciting activities or a great family adventure, their tailor-made approach means that they can create the perfect holiday for you and your family. Scott Dunn Explorers Kids Clubs for children aged 4 months to 11 years operate across the Mediterranean, the Alps, the Maldives and most recently Mauritius. They are all run by teams of experienced childcare professionals and offer exciting daily activities. Their clubs are split into four age groups to ensure your children take part in age-appropriate activities and the child-to-nanny ratios are some of the best in the industry. Your little ones will have the opportunity to learn new skills, explore the local culture and make new friends along the way, whilst you take Take a well-earned rest. Scott Dunn is offering all the Parenthood listeners £500 off any Scott Dunn Explorers Kids Club holiday. To find out more, please call and quote The Parenthood. Terms and conditions apply. Please see scottdunn.com forward slash family for more information. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. As we record, children are casting aside their rucksacks and kicking off their school shoes. The summer holidays are upon us and shrieks of excitement can be heard at the school gates. But six weeks is a long time and while it might fill our children with excitement, it often fills their parents with dread. What are they going to do? But more importantly, will they remember anything that they've learnt when they get back to school in September? My guest today is perfectly positioned to answer that. Harriet Swanick is Deputy Head Teacher at Notting Hill Prep, an independent London school, and for her whole career has observed children leaving for and returning at the end of the summer holidays. Harriet, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'd love to talk a little bit about the importance of school holidays, because it's not just a break for the staff, and it's not just sort of an extended holiday for them. We know that having time off for children is particularly important, don't we? Yeah, very important. And I think, you know, anybody who has children, anybody who works with children knows how tired they get. And for anybody, even adults, having a break is essential, you know, time to switch off, time to relax, time to recharge your batteries. So without a doubt, the the kind of structure of having term time and holiday is, is one that's needed, in my opinion. And it's, you know, they need a decent holiday. I mean, we might think, well, you know, most people that are working get four weeks off a year. Why do children need such long holidays? But actually, developmentally, so much more effort is required every day to do the things that we take for granted. It's it's more important for them to have a longer break, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it depends on the age of the child, obviously. But at any stage in your school career, there's development going on particularly in the earlier years as well you know the school day is full on there's a lot going on you know generally as well children now are doing clubs after school there might be after school care before school care because it's also got to fit around you know the parents working so you know some kids are in school from kind of 7 30 in the morning till 6 in the evening and that is a long day for anyone particularly if you're kind of between the ages of 5 and 13 or even older so that time to have a proper break is really important well and actually that's like working an 11 hour day isn't it yeah you and know. they do and and I see it even with very young children and the the thing is that you know parents have to work and and so it's fitting in your childcare around that is is really tricky so lots of schools provide that for parents and I think that's right that they do but I think we have to take that into account that children when they get home from school 
are, will be exhausted and will need time to rest. Because also it's not just about the learning at school. I mean, the, the, what's hard and tiring for children is not just learning new skills. Mm. It's also learning to exist in a group as opposed to an individual, which I think is much more potentially stressful, also enjoyable, but mm. also quite exhausting because it's not suddenly all about your needs it's about the group's needs and learning to exist yeah. within that group yeah and so I think you know time time to yourself is really important time to kind of switch off and and not be around a big group of people all the time I mean as adults we I, I know I feel that when I get home from work it's nice to just not have to talk for a moment and have you know read a book or watch something mindless on telly or whatever it might be but I think that's also one of the challenges of of the holidays as well because for children when they come back to school after particularly the long summer break they've had that time to be on their own and just be with their family or just be one-to-one with with another friend or whatever and then it's about reintegrating into the school community and remembering okay there's a different set of rules here there are different social expectations for me here um, and that can take some time to get back into the swing of things. Do you think the holidays are too long? There are two sides to this. I'm sure some of my colleagues would disagree with me, so I don't want to kind of speak for all of of the teachers around the country. But I do think that the summer holidays are particularly long. And I think there are other countries that have slightly different systems. For example, in Australia, predominantly it's a four-term system rather than three terms. And for me, I think absolutely holidays are important. But I think there's a balance to be struck here and I think it would be perhaps more beneficial to have a slightly shorter summer or to divide the year up into four or five terms with holidays in between that are say two weeks for example to keep things more on an even keel rather than a kind of all or nothing approach. I do think the summer break needs to be a bit longer than the other breaks because after a full year of school that break is important and of course the weather's nice you know you want to be outside and the kids playing with their families and things but for me I think there's an argument for having perhaps dividing the year up differently which would be more beneficial for children and for teachers. I know that I mean speaking from my personal point of view definitely by the end of this term I was ready for term to end and I think my children as they love school I mean slightly obsessively so I think we all needed a break but at the same time at the end of the summer holidays I am so ready for them to go back to school I'm sort of (laughs) ushering them out and just can't wait for school and nor can they to be honest they can't wait to get back into that sort of learning and we see that as teachers you know at the end of the the summer term teachers will will relate to this you know we're all exhausted we're you know you're kind of dragging yourself by your fingernails to the end and the parents are all excited to to have their children for the summer and do lovely things and then yeah when they come back in September it's like have them back please you know and we're ready and so that time to recharge as I said is important but you know I I think historically the reason that we have the three terms is an interesting one I mean it was from Victorian times where the children had to go out and work in the fields over the summer and do the harvest so that's why we have the long summer break and of course, children don't have to do that now. Thank, go- thank goodness. <laughs> Quite right. But, you know, we, we still have some of these systems in place that, that we haven't looked at and addressed and thought, is that actually the best way to do it? Could there be another way of doing it? And I think that's worth considering. 
I mean, there is, the more I think about it, there seem to be quite a few sort of Victorian hang-ups in the school system. Like, I, I still, I don't really get why you would educate your children with just their own sex. I think, mm. is that potentially not an, a hangover from the days when women, they didn't educate girls and just boys were educated? I th- or yeah. there was a different kind of education for girls and boys? Yeah, I think, I think that that's an interesting conversation as well. I think that with single sex and co-education, there are, you know, I think that's a personal decision as a parent. And I know I give lots of advice to parents about future schools and secondary schools and things as part of my job. And I think some people are very clear on what they want for their children when they want single sex or co-ed and some people aren't bothered. So I think that's a personal decision. I mean, I myself went to an all-girls school for secondary school and I was really happy and loved school so I don't think it's one or the other for me but I think certainly there are things that we need to look at and I think the government needs to look at in terms of education and making it more relevant to modern day life and easier for parents too I think you know parents are working long hours and the summer holidays can prove a real challenge with childcare. so it's about kind of thinking about how best to, to help parents as well well and also you know many more mothers are working today versus in the 50s when actually it was much mm. more common for mothers not to work and so it was much easier for them to look after the children in the summer holidays now I mean I don't have the statistics to hand but looking amongst my peers the majority of women work and you know working out what's going to you know what's got to take a break is it your career or is it your role as a mother over the you know nearly two months of summer holidays Mm. that's quite difficult it's it's really difficult and I think there are other countries that maybe are doing it slightly better than than we are in this country and and offering more options to parents better maternity leave better childcare. so yeah it, it the the structure of school of the school year and these long summer holidays they're wonderful the summer holiday and I think every teacher in the land would be probably screaming at me for saying to make them shorter but I just think you know there are lots of different factors that we have to weigh up now and I still think you can get a good break in the summer without it having to be six or seven weeks long. Yeah, I mean, also from your point of view, I know that it's not like on the end, last day of term, you teachers skip out of school and have six mm. weeks summer holidays. You know, your work usually continues for another two weeks or so, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, I and think... And then starts again before they all go back in September. Yeah, so there's always a period of time at the end of term after the kids are gone, the beginning of a term where, you know, you're rounding off the school year, you're having meetings, you're planning for the next year, you're getting your classroom tidied up, classroom set up. You might be moving to a teacher different year group altogether, in which case you've got to get your head round a new curriculum you know so there's a lot of work to do over the holidays whether it's a summer holiday or any other holiday um and and just like you know there's a common misconception that oh if you're a teacher you walk out the door at four o'clock every day you know absolutely not so um for whatever sector you teach in whether it's state or private yeah you know my husband works in the state sector as a primary school teacher and he has the challenges of long days and you know expectations that go beyond just the school hours so yeah it's you you do need a break in order to kind of wrap things up and prepare as well so I think it's just a balance and I think for me we can address the balance a little better do you think there is such thing as what they call the summer slide that sort of Mm -hmm. idea that children if they haven't carried on their sort of uh, drill sounds a bit too sort of rigid but you know 
you know, my children have sort of weekly spelling tests, weekly reminders, because it's not like with children. I, 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 this is, came as a huge surprise to me that once they've been taught something, they'd retain that information. They need to be told it again and again and again and again, like having to put their shoes on at the beginning of the day. Yeah. Do you feel that as a teacher, is it palpable that they have sort of lost knowledge over that six week summer break? I think there is an element of that. Yes. And I think also it depends on the child you know you will know your children better than anyone and I think different children have different strengths some children retain knowledge easier than others some have better processing better memory skills than others so it does depend it's not a hard and fast rule but I would say generally it's for me it's about uh, getting back into routines getting back into as I said before the social side of things as much as the academic side of things there are certain things that can be kept ticking along, I think, particularly with younger years where they're learning new skills. But I think there's fun and easy ways to do that mixed with more kind of fun and adventurous activities that can help with social skills and dynamics as well over the over the break. But yes, there there is inevitably a period, even for the teachers, of <laughs> coming back after the break and getting back into that, oh yes, this is what it's all about. Okay, I come into school at eight o'clock and I leave at four and these are the expectations, you know. I can't just say what I want and go to the loo when I want and, you know, I have to fit the the structure of school life so I think it's a balance of a few academic bits and bobs but predominantly for me it's more about getting them up to speed before term starts again with some key skills that are going to help them get back into the swing of things a little easier. It's interesting what you said about routine because I definitely noticed if I've taken a sort of longer holiday and so maybe I've been out of the office for two weeks or three weeks I find that first week quite hard Mm. just sitting down and having a totally different way of life and you know I'm in my 40s now. And so I totally get that an eight-year-old who's basically run free with no shoes on and have very little structure to their day finds that transition and the adjustment of going into school, which is, you know, very structured, a a bit of a shock. So it is actually interesting, just, you know, the idea of just gently reintroducing that routine back into... And gently is the word, because I think running around with your shoes off is really important. And, you know, I'm not saying... I certainly don't, don't... agree with kind of tutoring your child over the summer or or anything structured like that I don't think that's necessary and and more importantly I think that children should have that that change from school life like we all should when we go on holiday and we lie on a sun lounge for a week how blissful is that and yes it is hard going back to work but as adults we've developed skills to go okay I know this is going to be a bit hard because I've been on a sun lounge for a week and you ease yourself back in and you know what to prioritize and what not to but children find that harder because they're still learning that so I think that parents could perhaps do a few little things with them in the lead up to gently get them ready for for going back into into school again after the summer. So let's talk about, I mean, we're at the beginning of the summer holidays now. Mm. I'm very excited about summer holidays because I feel that we all need a bit of a break. And I'm so looking forward to that sort of freedom and not having to whinge at my children about putting, (laughs) remembering what pee kit they've got and all of that sort of stuff. But if we're sort of starting out at the beginning, I know you often start up with really kind of good intentions. But for parents who are sort of starting out the summer holidays now, is there anything at the beginning that you can kind of maybe think about doing or aim to do for the duration that would be beneficial to sort of children over the the six weeks reading 
I, and I know it sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but I cannot stress enough the number of times I, I say to parents when they're like, what can we do over the summer? What can we do? Read, 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 read. It depends obviously on the age of the child, but if they're too, if they're still learning to read, then read to them. You know, if they're not keen on reading, then audiobooks are great, particularly, you know, car journeys or podcasts that they might be interested in, you know, or if they found a genre of books they're really into, then maybe go to a bookshop or the library and, and find other books in that kind of genre that they can dip into. And I think reading daily in some capacity to them, with them, or if they're reading on their own, that is the most important thing. And I cannot stress it enough. I think it broadens their knowledge. It broadens their ability to infer from what they're reading, as well as learning new facts and, you know, learning history and all sorts of different things. And and also just the skill of being able to read fast Mm. and to take in that sort of information. And I suppose also concentration. Yeah. If they're not concentrating on anything for six weeks, it's quite difficult to hone that concentration skill. Whereas if they've been immersed in a book, then at least that concentration is being... Yeah, and I I have lots of parents say, oh, well, but particularly with some boys, you know, of of certain age that, you know, they don't like reading. Uh, There'll be something that they like reading, you know, even if it is a, a magazine or a comic, anything at all, you know, that has the written word and you're interpreting text and you're enjoying it and being immersed in it is beneficial you know there's no kind of snobbery over as adults we we like an easy read on holiday so I'm not saying you know they've got to read war and peace just anything at all is the best thing to do little and often if they're if they love reading fantastic they'll they'll go and they'll do it and and that's great but if not so much you know try try different texts with them try different ways of getting them immersed in in something you're right because I think I find books just the most captivating. I love reading. and But it's almost, I remember with my son, he was definitely, he struggled with reading, but he loves stories. And very often when he was at that, you know, trying to read, I, we'd read the first few chapters together, so he got into it. And then he was desperate to know what would happen. He was much more likely then to read and, and you know, go through that struggle of reading mm. because he was already in the story. If I'd sort of given him the book that was exciting, he never really gets that exciting for the first couple of chapters. So it's quite a good way of, of getting him into it. And I think, you know, it's about expanding vocabulary as well. So it's it, as well as reading, it's about having conversations and using different words so you know uh, trying to expand uh, make them realize that there's more than just one word for raining you know it can be pouring it can it can be raining cats and dogs all these kind of expressions we have and the different vocabulary we can use then enriches their vocabulary and they then start using that as well and that will then help their writing in school as well so and their spelling and their spelling as well the words. so I think also writing in terms of writing writing diaries writing journals making a scrapbook writing postcards to family members if you've gone away on holiday somewhere you know I know postcards are becoming a bit out of date I guess now we text and we but I still think there's something wonderful about getting a postcard mm. you know or if they love their teacher maybe writing a postcard to their teacher and telling them what they got up to on holiday I think it's just it's not making it you have to sit down and read or you have to sit down and write. It's giving them opportunities to do so in that unstructured holiday time that that is what will help keep things ticking along and also just gently expose them to, to more texts. 
I suppose also with the writing, you know, I I get my kids to write the shopping list or to write a to-do list of what we're mm. going to do on holiday or, you know, even writing silly songs. It's just because, again, I notice with my children that their handwriting suffers when they haven't written for so long so even just encouraging them to hold a pencil in their hand absolutely or even I suppose or drawing drawing again that's that's fine motor skills so if they're not big writers that's fine get get them drawing get them a sketchbook maybe they can draw things that they see on holiday or you know maybe they're big into photography they can take photos and add it to their drawings I think there are lots of really kind of relaxed but but fun things that you could do I suppose even you know you talked about postcards actually is I mean where do you even find a stamp on holiday <laughs> these days a postbox but you know I've got an app on my phone where you can take a picture and then send a postcard so even if they're doing that you know yeah. fine they're using a keyboard but you know it's still beneficial they're still thinking about the spelling of words they're still thinking about their expression and if that is the way that makes it doable and kind of is easier to get them to do then then why not absolutely and I think talking is really important as well you know obviously as a family you talk to other family members but talking to different people as well you know even if it's family friends you've got or godparents or grandparents spending time with people who aren't just your family is really important Uh, you know maybe they've never had a sleepover the summer holidays are perfect time to do that maybe they camp out in the garden and they have a couple of friends around maybe they go and stay at granny and granddad's or a friend's house so they start having that experience of being away from you but feeling safe so that then that's building their independence and I think that's another skill that's really important is independence and giving them responsibility for things you know maybe you have a little chores list and each day they have a different job to do maybe it's their turn to lay the table or maybe it's their turn to do the washing up or but giving them little bits of responsibility so it's structure for them as well but also they're used to okay that's my job I've got to take responsibility for that and I think that helps enormously with going back to school and having to take responsibility for their learning and their behavior yeah, I mean, I suppose I would sit down before we go on holiday with my children and say, these are my expectations of you. And every morning you'll brush your teeth without me asking, although that never happens. <laughs> you'll make your bed, you'll tidy your room and just those little things and you'll help stack the dishwasher. That you know, I suppose it, and it's remembering and just the, the you know, the, the task of remembering, I suppose, is, is their brains working in a way that will be sort of beneficial to them. I, I think so. And I think look, it's not always going to be plain sailing. I do realise, you know, that there's going to be, I don't want to do the washing up, right? I don't care. Well, they haven't brushed turn. their hair for a whole week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. so I think you pick, as a parent, you pick your battles and, and you know your children and you know when to push and when to maybe, you know, let that one slide. But I think I remember clearly like having siblings as well if you've got more than one child it's also about them realizing that that they're responsible together and they share having to give them opportunities to to do a job together maybe they help each other with it or maybe you say right well they did this today so this is your job today because that's all about how they relate to other children as well so I think you know if your child is someone who perhaps struggles with making friendships at school then a great a great time to have them have them have one to ones with maybe children in their class or other children in their year group is over the holidays when they don't have the pressure of other children around them and they can begin to develop those social skills in a safe environment because i think children it's not just about 
the the kind of academic slide it's the social slide as well and I think some children find it easy to make friends like some children find it easier to read some children really struggle with that so it's about knowing your child and thinking okay if there's a particular area that they do need help with and you know they need help with it already then perhaps that's what you focus on over the summer rather than kind of it seeming overwhelming and like oh my god we've got to keep all this going maybe kind of have a chat to the teacher before the summer and say what do you think is the most important thing we just keep ticking along over the summer Mm. and I think most most parents will will know that instinctively and from reports and things they've had from school throughout the year so I think it's important to to not try and do too much because it's a holiday but but to hone in on what's important for your child. And I suppose also it's a time for them to discover new things. Yeah. You know, I find that with children, they become quite obsessed about something. So you might have the child who reads, but then they only ever read and they don't play football. And it might be the child that plays football, but doesn't do anything else. And I suppose it's a way of sort of, rather than just opening the door saying, do what you want for six weeks. It's about saying, by all means, do your football. Yeah. But actually, we're going to teach you how to play chess. Or I want you to learn to take photos or whatever it is just some sort of other interest that actually might become a passion of theirs yeah uh, absolutely and I think exposing children to different experiences and it doesn't need to cost the earth you know you there are so many places you can go with children museums and things that that you don't pay for and you can go and visit and I think even just experiences of going to the seaside for the day or going and playing tennis in the park or whatever it might be is is just giving them opportunities to be in different places and experience different things and meet different people as well and and just not be just in their in their home and I think there's a case for of course screen time for me I think it's important to have some screen time and and there will be, it's inevitable. You know, there's going to be apps that they want to go on or things they want to do on their iPad or their their computer or whatever. And I think it's just important to to get a balance and not to not make it all be about that. As long as they're getting outside and spending some time out in the sunshine as well, it's it's a balance. Yeah, and actually I was listening to something on Radio 4 today and they were talking about how the shared experience of watching a movie is so much more enriching for our social skills than watching something individually. And I do think, you know, Mm. with the emergence of the tablet, very often in the family dynamic, everyone just takes their tablets to their room and engages, you know, individually. Whereas actually they were looking at chimpanzees and them watching um, something as a group and how that helped them interact as a group and help those relationships much more and they said actually we it's so much more important for us to watch things together and to engage as we're watching something for our skills so if you are going to have screen time think okay they want to watch this film but let's all watch it as a family and for mother and father also to find a film that everyone wants to watch you know not necessarily the cartoon they've watched a gazillion times but something that they all want to watch that's maybe new and slightly different and they engage as a family rather than just okay you can watch Peppa Pig for the 75th time yeah I can and I think that's why you know programs like Gogglebox are so popular because you're watching people watching TV which when you talk about it it sounds bonkers but is so fantastic to watch because it's lovely to watch the relationship between those people and very often it is families on there uh, having discussions about TV shows or, or, or what that they're watching on telly and I think 
that's a really important point that you know watching tv is can be a really social thing to do and can be really fun and can generate really interesting conversations because the next night at, at the dinner table you know it might be that you start talking about the David Attenborough that you you were watching on TV or whatever it might be. Or even Gogglebox. You know, it doesn't yeah. need to be sort of, it can be whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that generating conversation is so important and, and letting your children have an opinion on things and then challenging that opinion and going, well, have you thought about this? And, and beginning those kind of skills of being able to listen to different people's opinions, being able to give their own confidently and have and have a conversation and I think those skills are, are I mean they're life skills you know these it yes the academic side of things is 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 important it's important to learn to read it's important to know your times tables but to me it's far more important to have children who who can conduct a conversation who can listen to other people uh, who can have empathy those are more important life skills than, well, than an any art of to a conversation isn't there mm. and actually I that's something I really struggled with my children that you know we sit down and have a family dinner and then they're just terrible at having a conversation and it took me a while to work out that you know it's it is it's not like sitting down with your best friend and having a natter because they just don't have those skills yet like they don't have reading skills and what I found actually I really like in the car we often have really good conversations but we'll often be listening to something it might be the radio it might be a podcast and because I can turn on it on and off really easily in the car. We often listen to sort of, you know, some kind of fact-based podcast and that will then spark a conversation because they haven't got the cultural reference that they need to have to understand that. So that means that we have actually a really enriching conversation, but it wouldn't have happened from the, so how are you doing today? How are you feeling? Because they just can't do that yet. I mean, we're obviously talking about younger children yeah. here, sort of below 10. Yes. But actually that's something you have to teach them, isn't it? it? It is, absolutely. And very often, you know, parents, you'll see, you'll hand the children back to the parents at the end of the day at sign out and it will be, how was your day? <sighs> you know, <sighs> don't want to talk about it. And and that's really normal. You know, it, it's, it's like, I've just been through this really long day, mum. I don't want to tell you all about it. So I think it's it's about finding other ways into conversations and, and not forcing it. And, and I think using other things as stimuli is, is the perfect way to do that. Yeah. Well, and also it's quite difficult being asked those broad conversations, isn't yeah. it? If someone says to me, how are you? I'm like, well, where do I start? My life is kind of so <laughs> rich in all sorts of emotions. Whereas if someone says, you know, ask me a much more specific question. So if your child leaves school and you say, you know, did you have science today? Tell, you know, what did you, what did you learn about in science? That's a much easier question to answer than how was your day, which yeah. is, of yeah. course, makes sense. Yeah. So, so specific questioning is, is another part of that skill set that, that is developing in children all the time and and kind of social cues you know if you're meeting a new person shaking their hand eye contact you know being polite so all of that if you're meeting new people on holiday for example it's it's making new friends how do you approach a new friend and and get them to play your game or you join in their game so I think it's really I still have memories of meeting kids on holidays and and that awkward kind of beginning where you're like oh I don't really know what to say or but but kids manage it and I think that's really important and I think Along with that is the ability for parents to then be able to step back and leave them unsupervised. I think so many happy memories I have are about being outside and being unsupervised, playing without somebody hovering over. And I know that's difficult depending on where you live and what your circumstances are, but 
I do think there are op- if there are opportunities to let your kids go and play and be without checking in on them every two minutes, um, that develops a whole wealth of, of imaginative play and and the ability for them to to feel free. And um, also to, to, for those relationships to evolve. I mean, yeah. God, if you imagine if on the date with our sort of husbands, we'd had our mothers sitting there watching us. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure it would have gone very far. And I guess, you know, a relationship is a relationship, isn't it? And, and strong bonds are only going to develop if they are given a degree of freedom. It's yeah. interesting. Last summer, we, uh, we were away in Austria and we had an amazing, amazing summer. We had so many fun things. To, and at the end of the holiday, I said to the children, what did you like the best? And they said, that afternoon when you allowed us to go into the woods and I gave them each a little kind of some biscuits and some water and some whatever it was. And they just spent three hours playing in the woods. And, you know, they knew where to find us if something went wrong. But it was interesting that amongst the sort of myriad of experiences that we'd given them and that we shared together, they chose that as their favorite thing. It was kind of the easiest. In fact, it was amazing because it gave me like three hours sitting by the pool reading the book you know it was and it just put it into perspective how much that sort of freedom which is not what they get at school was so important to them I I I think it is so important if you ask any adult you know we had a fantastic lady Sue Palmer come and talk to the staff she's written many books uh, a brilliant book called Toxic Childhood as well and uh, she talks a lot about the importance of outdoor play and unsupervised play. And I think if you have an opportunity to give that to your children in, in some form, even if it's out in your own garden, you know, and you let them go out in the garden and you go into the house and do your own thing for an hour, um, I think it is really, really important for child development to, to have those opportunities. And I guess, you know, also get messy, yep. occasionally fall down and hurt yourself and scrape yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and often they're so much more resilient than we think. If, if there's the mother standing over them, they scrape their knee, it's a meltdown. But actually, if there's no one around, they realize mm-hmm. it actually doesn't hurt that much and playing is such fun that they just want to sort of overcome that. Yeah. And there's a school in Australia, and I forget which school, where they had a massive tree in the playground. And for years it said, you know, do not climb the tree, do not climb the tree. And then... Uh, the headmaster decided to just say do you know what if they want to climb the tree they'll climb the tree and they took those rules away and actually what what developed was you know the kids would play in the tree and there was a child who broke their arm fell out and broke their arm and you know the parents said do you know what they they were climbing a tree and that's great and accidents happen so I think we try obviously we want our children to be safe um, and you wouldn't take unnecessary risks but I think you can't remove all the risks and I think that's part of growing up is to learn where those boundaries are and to teach you teach children what risks are worth taking and what risks aren't taking when we're born with much more malleable bones than we have when we're adult because Mm -hmm. we are designed for sort of knocks and tumbles and actually it's so much better that children work out whether something is too high to jump off when they're eight and there's a parent relatively nearby than when they're maybe 18 and they've had a few beers and it's two o'clock in the morning Mm. Mm. you know so it's I heard someone saying that you should really leave children alone on climbing frames because they won't generally climb too high it's only if we help them up then they'll climb too high and then they'll get in a pickle. Whereas if you just leave them from the beginning, they'll go as high as they can and then they'll be able to come down. But often the accidents happen is because us parents just step in there too quickly and try and help them out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I, I mean, I know it's so difficult because I have nieces and nephews and, and when I'm in charge of looking after them, you know, that's a huge responsibility and, and I will be the one hovering underneath the climbing frame. So I know it's hard to do, but I think harder if it's someone else's children harder harder with someone else's children true maybe easier with your own yeah I do think that's it, it's having those opportunities over the over the long summer break for them to play 
on their own, with their friends, without feeling that mum and dad are hovering mm. or any or whoever's looking after them is is hovering there. One of the things we did at school this term was this Grow a Fiverr challenge where the children were, you know, challenged with starting a, a business and to make a Fiverr grow into something bigger. And it was a really rewarding experience. Um, and it sort of, it may, I think we're going to definitely do that over the summer because the children loved starting a little business together. And, you know, it can be a small project. It can mm. be a sort of maybe a day project to say, well, maybe we're going to, I don't know, we made cards. And actually it was such fun because they painted their cards, they worked out their pricing, they made their stock and then they had to go and sell and there were so many skills that they developed you know they had to actually collaborate as a team to work out what they were going to do together and work out which idea was was going to run and then they actually had to have the sort of patience to paint all these cards and then they had to engage with adults and often strangers and then they had to use their math skills because they had to work out how much money and how much change they were going to get and then they had to work out what their overall profit was and it struck me that here was something that you didn't need to pay anything more than a fiver potentially I mean you can do it also for free that was really rewarding for a day and yet encompassed so many of the skills which are at the heart of what an education is about so by having fun you can you know you can you can reinforce what they've learned at school without them realizing it's not like sitting down with a textbook going just complete these sums and then you can go and play yeah and where's the joy in that Mm. you know (laughs) really if any of us were asked to sit down and do a textbook you know there's there's I think it's about that the curriculum that we teach you know is predominantly set by the government and and there's nothing wrong with the curriculum but it's limited you know we can't teach everything in school there's so much we don't even touch on um because there's not time we don't have we we can't do everything so i think this holidays are an opportunity to try and broaden your children's knowledge and experience and a project like that is absolutely perfect because like you say it goes across it goes across all skills and those are the kind of skills that they will need whatever they do in life you know so it's not just about learning what you have to learn in school to pass the exams it it, we should be thinking bigger than that and I mean I could we could go on to a whole other podcast about you know exams and the whole system but uh I I won't get into that but you know for now I'm gonna get you back to talk about that we can come back and talk about exams (laughs) but uh, I I just I feel strongly that it should be about a bigger experience than just learning a set of facts that are set and and someone's thought well that they're the most important things that that we have to teach the children and don't get me wrong lots of them are very important but you know we should be thinking broader than that how important is it you know I obviously what I've learned about from observing my children's education is that there's sort of various facts that are your sort of foundations like sort of the basic times tables yeah. your number bonds your basic spellings of a sort of regular words and actually I have a child that struggles with all of that and I always say to him this is the boring bit but once you've learned them they're going to be there and then you can get into the exciting bit because you've like maths becomes more about theory rather than just boring learning number bonds and English becomes about creativity rather than you've got that spelling wrong how important is it for us to maybe have some kind of you know let's just spend two minutes going through your times tables or actually is it something that is actually regained really quickly once they start school again Um, I think there are certain building blocks that are essential actually and I think again some children pick them up very easily and very quickly, in which case you probably don't need to spend, you know, however long each day drumming your times tables into their head. But there are others who struggle more with it. And and I would say really little and often 
it with things like times tables, number bonds, exactly what you mentioned. But it can be done in fun ways. You know, uh, there are plenty of really fun apps, actually, that you can do on on an iPad for times tables and uh, number bonds and things that are quick recall, you know, so they're competitive and, and you don't need to spend long on them. So it's quick. But yes, they do need to know those building blocks. And you're absolutely right. You know, if you miss them, it's going to be harder later down the line because you need that quick recall in order to then be able to delve into the more complex problem solving activities that come later in school so I think things like times tables number bonds spellings as well but more phonics so if you one if you've got little ones learning to read it's more about the sounds teaching them the sounds and there are various resources you can find depending on what your school uses as well I think it's important to tie in with what the school is doing so it's consistent but I think you know again I would say it's probably wise to do that you know every couple of days just even if it's just five minutes in the morning with a quick fire you know times table quiz or a matching up the the sum to the answer on cards on the kitchen table um, that can keep those building blocks going but broadly speaking particularly with older children I think it comes down to reading and and language reading and talking mm-hmm. I remember what actually one last summer it was a rainy day and I did a treasure hunt in the house and it was a times table treasure hunt so it said you know yeah what is three times eight if the answer is 16 go here if it's 24 go here if it's 32 go here and so they had to think about it but they weren't thinking that they were doing yeah. times tables yeah. they were just sort of focusing on the and and that's the you know exactly the kind of thing that that is perfect to do I think with children making making it fun so it's not like you will sit down and do this textbook it's it's okay what games can we play that involve your times tables you know with little ones even if it's walking down the street you know if they're preschool can you see any numbers what can you see oh I can see a number on that door what's that number can we count our steps how how many steps can we count I don't know what are the numbers on the buses as the buses go past it's just conversations about maths around you when you're when you're smaller and and using numbers in your language and again it goes back to to kind of using different vocabulary with your children as well how does this change as children get older? I mean, we've been talking at kind of primary mm. school children. Um, but if, for example, your child, I mean, the joy of the summer holidays is that your exams are kind of behind you. But yeah. as far as I understand, year six is often big exams at the end of year six. So if you've got a child going into year six, is it more important for them to maybe just hone those skills that they become quite accomplished at doing during the summer term so that when they start in September, they can kind of hit the ground running or... Is, do they actually just pick it up again very quickly where they left off? I think there are times in a school career where you are going to have exams and tests um, and whether we agree with that or not. And and I think if that's the case, if you know that you've got an exam or a test coming up, then of course you're going to have to revise. We've all had to do that, you know. And I think it's about learning revision skills is a really important skill in itself. So I think as a parent, it's about kind of setting a timetable or a schedule with your child. If you know they've got to keep things ticking over because they've got exams after any holiday, actually, particularly the summer because it's longer, um, then I think it's about just having a realistic schedule that isn't all work, that balances it nicely and that is not too much, you know, it, that they'll be able to sit down and do a little bit, you know, every day or every other day 
on the things that they need to keep ticking along. And again, I would say definitely keep in contact with your, well, have spoken to your school, to your te- child's teacher or teachers about, okay, what what are the key things that they should be continuing with over the holidays so we don't find ourselves, you know, back at square one when we come back next term and, and then it's really hard work and then their confidence is knocked because I think confidence plays a big part. And for me, revision Yes, it's about keeping it ticking over, but it's also about building that child's confidence so that they can go in feeling like, do you know what? I did I did some work over the summer and I feel ready to take those exams and I feel confident. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think we can't get away from the fact there are going to be stages in school life where there will have to be some more uh, structured work and exam preparation over certain holiday periods and I think you can talk to the school in advance of that about how how the best way to structure that is for your child and I suppose also talk to your child because it's got to be an agreement you know if a child doesn't want to do something they'll sit there and just not take it in you know ultimately they've got to understand why they need to do this and they've got to want to do it because you just you can't force them and I think it is a really important message to give them that if you want to succeed in life you've got to do it you know you've got to do the work and actually the more engaged you get with something the more effort you put into it whether it is you know your your grow a fiver challenge or you know your football skills or the fact that you really want to get into this school or you Mm. really want to study x at university Mm. you know you'll get more out of it if you put more into it absolutely I I do think it's a a fine balance between that and pressure though Mm. and 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 that's what worries me about kind of exams particularly for younger children that that pressure and that stress and it's not necessarily always from the parents or the school it's it's you know every individual is different and I think some people put themselves under a lot of pressure and that causes you know stress and anxiety and we're seeing it in in children and sometimes that's uh, transferred from the parents as well being like you we want you to do well so come on come on come on um and and so I think it, it, it you're right you know there in life we need to work hard to get what we want and to get to where we want to be but I worry about it starting too young with with kids um and I think you know the teachers union is working hard to to get rid of SATs assessments for the younger years in in state schools and things so we'll see what happens there I think think it will change soon (laughs) sadly not but I think the more people I I think what's been great is this surge of awareness about mental health in in particularly in young people and well-being um and in our school you know we we do a lot of training on that for staff a few of us have been on mental health first aid course which was absolutely invaluable and one of the best pieces of professional development I've had and and really opened my eyes to the 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 struggles that many young people are going through with mental health so I think it's great that we've got that awareness and long may that continue and I think we need to keep that very much at the front of our, our minds when making decisions about education and exams and things. Um, but I don't think we're there yet. That's so interesting. And I guess that brings it back to the summer holidays that actually it's so important to communicate with your children so that you can work out whether or not, you know, the pressure that might be absolutely fine for one child mm. might be really making another child struggle. I mean, my sister who's a GP, she says she sees eight-year-olds presenting to her with acute 
anxiety and stress caused by the expectations of exams it's not every child in that school that is going to you know suffer from that but some children just find that really difficult and you know she says your child has a proper mental health problem that you can forget any academic development for a few years until that's sorted out absolutely right and I think you know that's why it's so important to to make the holidays a happy and restful time and and not to to take any of that pressure away from kids is really important and I think everybody needs that break you know for for the teachers as well teaching's a really you know difficult job it's very rewarding and it's wonderful and and uh I love it but it you do need that break so I think it's important for everybody so the teachers can do a better job as well uh, but for the children to to have time some downtime yeah and they're actually the importance of doing nothing yeah don't they say that through boredom comes the most creativity yeah sometimes you know and I was never allowed to say when I was little I was bored I was always like you're not bored find something to do only boring people yeah. are bored <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah sometimes you hear yourself coming out with the things that your parents have said and you think oh god no but yeah I think I think it's a it's a tricky one but the summer holidays are here and there's something that we that that are wonderful opportunities I think we should that's how we should see them opportunities to spend time with the children and and to have activities that broaden their education further because it's not just about what they learn in school yeah, it's, I suppose it's making them into, you know, themselves, their little individuals. Because at school, it's about, you know, those milestones. But actually, we are all such different personalities. And we see that from the moment babies are born, I think. that it, I guess that kind of, that freedom allows them to become that wonderfully intricate and unique individual that they will be. Yeah, and gives them the time to try different things. Yeah. Harriet thank you so much it's been such a pleasure chatting to you and I'm feeling so positive and excited about six weeks of (laughs) (laughs) definitely not boredom (laughs) but unstructured time together and also teaching also helping us discover who they are and teaching them to communicate well enjoy it thank you for having me Thank you so much. Thank you all for downloading another episode of The Parenthood. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. It really does help boost us in the iTunes charts and helps other listeners find us. You can chart my summer holidays and our adventures on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. And from Harriet and me, goodbye. <laughs>